Welcome to Leveraging Leadership, where we unpack the art of business leadership. I'm your host, Emily Sander, Chief of Staff turned Executive Leadership Coach. In this series, we dive into the role of Chief of Staff, exploring how it can be a game changer and pivotal player on your leadership team. You'll get a backstage pass and learn about the different aspects of the role and what it takes to excel in it. We'll hear from some incredible guests who have firsthand experience serving as chief of staff or collaborating with one on their team. And don't forget, the chief of staff isn't just a title or person. It represents a leadership philosophy. Leveraging leadership is all about finding your points of greatest influence and leveraging them to better serve those around you. Leveraging leadership is all about finding your points of greatest influence and leveraging them to better serve those around you. Welcome back. This episode is all about where does the chief of staff fit in the organization? So if you're drawing up an org chart, where do you put the chief of staff? I'm going to run through four examples, and these are not the only examples, nor they are, nor are they the best examples. They're simply four of the common ones that I've seen. So the first one is this chief of staff is part of the C-suite executive team. So right alongside the chief operating officer, the chief technology officer, the chief financial officer, all the other chiefs is the chief of staff. And all of those people report into the CEO. So everyone is on the C-suite executive team. This is the model I had, by the way. So when I was chief of staff, our company had this, uh, this structure in our org chart. The next example is when there's multiple chiefs of staff at one company. And this is typically at large companies. So I was talking to a chief of staff from Microsoft, and she was a guest on this show. And she was saying, Emily, there's 100 plus chiefs of staff across the company. And so at companies like that, you might have a chief of staff supporting the CEO. And then you might have another chief of staff supporting the COO, and then another one supporting the CFO, on and on and on. And you even might have some chiefs of staff supporting the VP level. So at large multinational corporations, a VP could have an org of thousands of people. And so it might make sense to have a chief of staff supporting at that level. So you could have multiple chiefs of staff at one company and they're supporting different people and different functions, but there is that cohort of chiefs of staff. All right. The next example here is when you bring a chief of staff in at a VP level, or sometimes I've seen a director level. And um, I balk at that a little bit just because I'm biased and I think the chief of staff is at the C-suite level. However, there are some specific occasions where I can see this being the way to go. So the first occasion might be if a company is trying to create the chief of staff role for the first time ever. And for whatever reason, for politics or optics or whatever, to get it in at all, it has to come in at the VP level. So that might be, hey, let's get this thing going at all. And then over time, hopefully expand it to other areas. Another occasion where I could see this being, being the best way to go is if a company is using a more junior resource. So maybe they have um, a junior chief of staff or an associate chief of staff or an assistant chief of staff or a deputy chief of staff, any of those types of things where there's actual job levels within the chief of staff role. 
well, then it might very well make sense to bring that more junior resource in at the VP level. And then the the senior chief of staff or the fully fledged chief of staff would be at a higher level. Okay, the fourth and final example is when the chief of staff has a dual role. So they're the chief of staff and something else. They can be the chief of staff and head of business development or the chief of staff and director of products or whatever you want it to be. I've seen some very, very creative, uh, very long titles in this in this scenario. Um, I think I saw one that was like chief of staff and um, executive support and administrative manager of the CEO or something, something wild and crazy like that. So you can make this whatever you need it and want it to be. And a couple ways to think about this are if you do have someone who's actually doing two jobs. So at a small company, someone might actually be doing chief of staff work and chief operating officer work. And if they're doing two jobs, it makes sense to title them as such. The other consideration here would be if you need them to be able to do certain things externally. And so you need them to have the credibility or the clout to be able to do stuff externally and internally for that matter. But if someone's going, okay, I'm looking at an email, I'm looking at the signature line, I'm just going off the title, they're the chief of staff, I don't quite know what that means in this case, or oh, that the chief of staff and they're the head of operations. Got it. Okay, so I'm going to email them about the operations items I have in mind. So it could be helpful in that sense. Okay, so the four examples are chief of staff being part of the C-suite executive team, the second example is having multiple chiefs of staff in a large company. The third example was bringing a chief of staff in at a VP level. And the fourth example was having the chief of staff in a dual role so that the chief of staff and there's something else. Okay, a couple takeaways for you to consider. So the first takeaway would be if you have a chief of staff on your team currently, maybe have a think about if they're in the right place. So they very well could be in the right place, but just think about, okay, I've heard some examples now. Um, maybe I use one of these four examples. Maybe I use something else that makes more sense at my company, but is the chief of staff in the right place? Do they have the right amount of access? Does it make sense when someone looks at an org chart for the chief of staff to be in that position? Are they in best position to support their principal most effectively? Can they support the team, the executive team, most effectively in whatever position they're in? The second takeaway is if you're considering bringing on a chief of staff, you don't have one today, but you're thinking about bringing one on board, have a think about where they should be placed in the org. And that can be thought about in two ways. The first one is, what is our current state? So what is our current org structure and what makes sense there for a chief of staff? The second way is to say, hmm, let me think ahead a little bit and say, what are we going to need in 12 months or in 18 months or in 24 months? And say, okay, I know that we have exponential growth in operations. Okay, let me have a think about that. Or I know that we're going to try to go into some adjacent markets. So you might need a chief of staff who's able to help with some of the scaling, or you might need a chief of staff who's familiar with some of these adjacent markets. So being able to 
forecast and look a little bit ahead and maybe hire a little bit ahead where it's not, you know, maybe not fully aligned or, you know, at full capacity in certain areas. But I know that in 12, 18 and 24 months, the chief of staff is going to have to catch a lot of these things and get involved in a lot of these things. And they're already in place to do so. So that's one way to think about um, if you're going to bring a chief of staff on board and you're trying to figure out where to place them to use the future state as your model. The last takeaway here is understanding that because this role is so dynamic, because it evolves and it's it's one of these things that you can play around with as an X factor, um, let that be an advantage. So you can structure the org chart and the chief of staff, however you need it and want it to be. And so there is some flexibility there. I mean, I would I would say, make sure you're giving them the due respect and you're giving them the clout they need and all of those things. But if it makes sense to have them in a certain place and in your company, everyone would understand, oh, okay, that's where the chief of staff is, then make it what you want. So those are your takeaways. Those are some four examples. Hope that helps you out. And uh, that's a wrap on this episode. And I will catch you next time on Leveraging Leadership. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. 